Brad's with us now, so let's get to it. Let's do some uh, Travis tomorrow, man. So here we go. Brad, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How's it going? All right. Let's get to the a f- very full field for the Travis tomorrow, including all three Triple Crown winners, which you very rarely get uh, in the Travis, uh, with them coming off, for the most part, disappointing races. What's your overall thoughts on the race first, Brad? I think it's an open race. I think we're seeing horses who have not improved since the spring. We're seeing other horses who have improved, and we're seeing some new shooters, too. I think it's chaos. That makes for great betting and exciting sport. All right, let's start from the rail with Cloud Computing, the Preakness winner who did not run well in the Jim Dandy. He had an absolutely perfect pace setup and inside-out trip, Mike, off a perfect 42 days of rest when he got up in the Preakness over the super-hard-used two-year-old champion, Classic Empire, who actually was much the best horse on the day. He deserved to win the race to the Classic Empire. As you said, Cloud Computing faltered meekly in the Jim Dandy. He was pressing the pace of the Derby winner, always dreaming in that race. That's not what he wants to do. He's going to try to replicate his pocket inside-out Preakness trip and sit in the Traverse. But my issue with cloud computing, my issues actually, are the mile and a quarter distance and his overall quality. I still have questions about that for him. I haven't seen him finish well often enough versus top competition, especially when he hasn't had everything go his way. Nick Zito has Giuseppe the Great, who has chugged along for a piece in a couple of graded stakes. What's your thoughts on Giuseppe? I don't think he's good enough. He had a good trip and setup stretching out to nine furlongs in the Jim Dandy, but he just picked up the dead wood in that race when everybody stopped except for Good Samaritan. He was of absolutely no match for Good Samaritan. Even the horses who ran meekly in the Jim Dandy, they're going to run better in the Travers. I don't think Giuseppe is ready for them. All right, West Coast was one of Baffert's killer horses on uh, Belmont Day when he put on one of the great training displays of all time. Uh, now he stretches out in the uh, Travis. What do you think? He was much improved pairing up quality figures in his last two starts. He was a hype horse in the spring. He did not live up to the hype, but in his last two, he's moved forward. He has a perfect 42 days of rest in preparation for a forward move here. Two back, he was very well set up pace-wise, though, in that easy goer that you've referenced, Mike. And that field was suspect. Last time out, another suspect field, the grade three at Los Alamitos. West Coast was disdainfully very wide all the way in that race, made no effort to get inside or save any ground. That's how much the best his connections thought he was. But still, he was really slow to kick in. When he did, he easily was able to run down the long layoff returnee and likely distance-limited horse, Klimt, who was on the lead in that race. And Los Alamitos, it might be a quarter-horse track, but has a really long stretch. And that benefits horses who are grinders like West Coast. I think that track surface and the field made him look better than he really is. He has a somewhat late-developing pedigree. He does run like a grinding mile-and-a-quarter horse. But this is a big step up in competition. My gut is he's not quite top, top level at least yet. But he is Baffert, and we know Baffert in these prime time spots gets horses to move forward. Still, I think he's going to be overbet, especially if Baffert has another strong undercard. Everyone's going to be jumping on the Baffert bandwagon. This horse could go off favorite. I don't like him at short odds. All right, Taprit, the Belmont winner. He's off a 77-day layoff, coming off that mile-and-a-half grade one victory over Irish Warcry, who since then was a very mediocre fourth in the Haskell Invitational at Monmouth Park. Taprit, though, ran deceptively well in the Derby going a mile a quarter. He had an impossible trip. I think longer than a mile and one-eighth could be his game. 
slower paces at those distances keep him closer early and out of traffic. Uh, that was a big help to him in the Belmont. He had a lot of gate and or trip issues in some of the derby prep races at shorter distances. Longer, when he can get into rhythm without being used, that puts him in his grinding style and really helps him a lot. In the pace profile that we're expecting in the Travers tomorrow, he should be relatively close, and that's his game. He is a real win threat. All right, good Samaritan. Who won the Jim Dandy? He has plenty of dirt in his pedigree and trainer Bill Mott has always maintained that this horse could handle the main track, and he absolutely freaked in his main track debut on that quirky early meet Saratoga surface in the Jim Dandy. Uh, always dreaming in cloud computing, both of them with less recency than Good Samaritan, wilted under the demanding conditions. He absolutely blew by them and drew off with authority. But he also had one of the greatest trips and setups in the history of horse racing and a fantastic ride by Joel Rosario. Watch the replay of that race. Rosario darts to the rail before they hit the first turn, saves every inch of ground, and then coming out of the second turn into the stretch, saves every inch, doesn't angle out until the turn is over with. There was no ground loss by this horse at all. He did run great, but he had everything his own way. He put away those good horses who had won classics, but in and amongst those horses finishing right with them was second-time starter and mere six-and-a-half furlong maiden victor Pavel. The fact that Pavel was finishing with cloud computing and always dreaming to me indicates how weakly those classic winners actually ran. The added distance, though, will help Good Samaritan, but at least some of those in front of him on Saturday are going to fight harder against his rally, and the bigger field will probably make for a tougher trip. He's probably not going to be able to save every inch. He is a turf horse, after all. He's not going to love a whole bunch of dirt in his face in a big, big field that's kicking back at him. Still, this horse has big upside in only a second dirt start and only a second time at Saratoga. We see these Saratoga freaks. He could be just a horse for the course. All right, we're talking with Brad Thomas about the Travis. Gervin won the Haskell down on Brad's track. Uh, what's your thoughts on Gervin here? Well, I really love his winning desire. I love how he fought through a foot injury wearing a bar shoe in the Kentucky Derby on a sloppy sealed surface that really hurts horses who have foot problems. He finished 13th of 20th in that race when he easily could have finished last. It was a contest he probably had no business even running it. Then he was hard used and battled multiple challenges in the Ohio Derby. He deserved to win that race but was run down by the better trip to wrap. When he won the Haskell at Monmouth Park, he was very well set up pace-wise, and he rode a profound outside bias. He got up to win a deserved grade one, but the horse who was second, McCracken, should have won the race. McCracken, though, shifted to the dead rail on the stretch after making the lead with a possibly premature move. Gervin is an overachiever. He may not get that perfect pace and bias set up and trip once more. I don't think he's going to relish the stretch to a mile and a quarter. A great job by trainer Joe Sharp getting him back into form off that foot problem in the spring. But I think others in here have more upside and late season potential. Derby winner always dreaming. He got a track surface he relished. And inside favoring conditions in the Derby and ran a lifetime best by far. Then he was just beaten into pace submission on short rest by Classic Empire in the Preakness. He cleared early and set comfortable fractions on a very good inside part of the track off the bench in the Jim Dandy and then surrendered meekly in deep stretch on that demanding and wearing early season Saratoga main track surface. 
The surface, incidentally, at the spa has changed. It's glibber now and less demanding. That's probably going to help Always Dreaming. He could be cycling back to his best form. He could get another easy lead. I don't see anyone who's going to be heck bent on challenging him. But I'm not in love with this horse going a mile and a quarter on a dry track. And almost four months after the Derby, I don't know if his best race is still good enough anymore. Is he continuing to get better like some of the others? I'm not sure. And at a relatively short price, I don't want to find out. The only reason I would even include him as a win threat is I think he's going to get clear again. All right, McCracken, who is the, uh, who missed by a nose in the Haskell? He should have won the Haskell. He had an imperfect Triple Crown prep season, had a tough trip in the Derby. It was a race he probably needed. He reportedly was training lights out for the Haskell. He made his usual big, brilliant middle move in that race. Possibly it was a bit premature, but that's him. He moves brilliantly. He moves early in his races. He rode the biased outside part of the Mammoth Strip to do it. But then, after making the lead in the stretch, he was allowed to wander to the dead rail for the stretch run. And because he went to the dead rail and Gervin stayed outside in the better path, McCracken just failed to last to that perfect trip rival. Now, I think on the day, McCracken was better. His pedigree says a mile and a quarter works for him. But his actual performances, they suggest maybe not. I've never been sold on the way he runs with that brilliant move that longer is better for him. Usually shorter is better for horses like that. He hasn't also really moved forward figure-wise since early in the year. And his best races, all of them, have come when he's been really well set up pace-wise. At a mile and a quarter, a longer race with less pace than he's been getting in some of these races, I think he might be a little bit up against it. Still, I really respect trainer Ian Wilkes with horses into the form cycle. This horse, if he is indeed double-digit odds, like the morning line indicates, is definitely a threat at a price. All right, this is a wide-open race, as you said. It's got the three uh, classic winners. It's got seven horses that won their last race. It's a full field. Who, what do you th- what, who's your choice? My choice is the 10 Arap, who was a second raider in the spring, though he did win the grade two bluegrass when he was paced and biased while failing to change leads. Visually, it wasn't pretty. The horse he beat, Practical Joke, had a tougher trip and setup and really isn't a top, top tier nine furlong horse. Then Arap just had an impossible trip in the Derby on a track he disliked. But he has a late maturing pedigree. His sire, Tisnow, was a nobody until the second half of his three-year-old season. And then he blossomed into a superstar who ultimately won the Breeders' Cup Classic that year. Something in a rap clipped, clicked mentally and physically after the Kentucky Derby. In the Ohio Derby, he raided in heavy traffic, rallied, finished well. All things he could not do before that. He only changed leads in deep stretch, otherwise he might have won easier. He still wasn't doing everything perfect, but then he cut back to a mile of 16th in the Indiana Derby. He exploded physically, seemingly gaining dozens of pounds of muscle in just a few weeks, and then he changed leads perfectly on cue, right on time, in the short stretch there. He romped with ease over a horse named Colonel's Dark Temper, who previously had made McCracken work at Churchill, and who subsequently improved Lentz himself to win the West Virginia Derby. Watch the film of a rap in the bluegrass in the Ohio Derby and in the Indiana Derby, and you will see a horse filling out into his ample frame right before your very eyes. The change is visually striking. He is a monster. He's the now horse no one is really talking about. He has perfect rest. 
He has newfound versatility and professionalism. He just needs to get into decent position from his outside draw. All right, who else do you like behind him? Good Samaritan. He's going to run his race. A mile and a quarter is his friend. He still has upside second time dirt, and he could be a Saratoga horse. I'm using him as a second key in tries and supers. A wrap to win. Good Samaritan as a second key in the gimmicks. And then who would be after that? McCracken and Taparet are the horses I want to be third or fourth. McCracken, I'm still going to give another chance to because of his connections and he does so many things so well. Taparet is a true distance horse. The pace scenario is going to put him in a good position. I wrap. Good Samaritan. McCracken. Taparet. Thanks, Brad, very much. Appreciate it. You're welcome, guys. Good luck. Thank you, Brad Thomas. Uh, we're here at Bar A, so there it is. He gave you a long shot, and I rap. He likes him a lot, as a matter of fact. The 10 horse, who is 8-1 to one on the morning line, and will not get, not be one of the favorites in this race. Um, he will have a, he'll, he'll be a good price. He'll be a square price in this race. Uh, so check him out. A wrap over Good Samaritan, who ran brilliantly in the gym. Dandy, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we will have Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, and they will feature Bernie Williams. All that to come, so stay with us.